22-year absence, the Boston Celtics are NBA champions once again. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Seven seconds. They got Benetarian range. I'll tell you, what Tom Brady just did gives me goosebumps. Wide again for Tierney. Tierney's cross. Lucic, top of the circle, Horton, the drive, score! The Bruins knock out Montreal! Welcome to another episode of Boston Sports Extra Podcast. This is Celtics edition. On this episode, we are joined by Travis and Porchy, Jack, and myself, Anthony. How are you guys doing? What's going on, guys? How's going, man? You guys all doing? Hey, man. Sox are winning. It's a good day. Good day. So we got a lot to go over. Um, Travis, I'm going to let you get it started, and uh, let's go. All right, right on. Uh, so we got some Terry Rozier news out for us, guys. We haven't really talked a whole lot about Terry Rozier uh, in these podcasts um, to date, but uh, he, held, he hosted a uh, pro camp over the weekend. And uh, we we sent out our, our, our very own Mike Pulte to uh, interview Terry Rozier at the camp. He brought us back some good information, some information about uh, his his opinion on returning to the bench next year. And he also talked about uh, expectations for the Celtics this next season. Uh, I just want to read you guys a quick quote on what he had to say about returning to the bench. He said, uh, "Just trying to." He said, "I'm not worried about it." He said, just trying to control what I can control. We all got one goal, and that's to win. We all get love when we win. That should be everybody's mindset. Uh, he added that he believes the team can be special. He used special early and often in this uh, interview. He, he said that I think you know. Um, I think everybody knows we're good on paper, but we got to get better and make sure everybody comes in with the same mindset. Uh, so... You know, I think this kind of reiterates what we talked about last episode with the Paul Pierce comments about the need to, like, come in with a shared goal, common mindset, and to be selfless, to sacrifice, you know, your own stats over um, for the team, you know, for the betterment of the team. Uh, do you guys think, like, he's – is he does he mean this? Because I know, like, obviously, like, he kind of broke out last year in the starting role, and do you really think that he's going to be comfortable back in this – and his uh, usual bench minutes, do you guys believe? Like, how do you guys see him performing in his old role next year? I feel it's just uh, – it's a huge confidence boost. I mean, having that extra open slot with Kyrie out, it definitely gave him some confidence in his game, and it's definitely made him perform better, or at least on a higher level. But ha- being a young player and almost ready to get paid pretty good money in the NBA, it – it really helps that just being that special, like, yeah, I mean, I'm a great player. I'm young, and I know I'm des- well deserving of a lot of money. But at the same time, like, I'm doing what's best for the team. Like, if I have to if I have to come on, like, in the second quarter, like, so be it. Like, just get the team a win. And I feel like that's so important, and not a lot of people really are team me. So I think it's very special. How about you, Jack? Um, You know – I think, like Porchy said, it's a huge confidence booster for him. And he's going to feel so much better in his role now that he has that experience in the starting role. But, you know, I'll play a little bit of 
devil's advocate here. I feel like he's really not going to appreciate being in that role as much as he says he is going to, you know, be okay with it. I think he's going to want to display his skills even more than he did last season so that he can get that paycheck next season. I think he's really going to want to be on the court more than he's going to be able to. I feel you there. I mean, we're talking about, you guys know he played 36 and a half minutes a game in the playoffs last year. I mean, it's crazy, right? Like that's, that's beyond starter minutes. I mean, the guy had a triple double in his first ever career start last year and he put up, I'm reading the numbers here, 16 and a half points, five and a half rebounds, nearly six assists and 2.7 three pointers per game last year. Yeah. After Kyrie went down. So it's like, he is a starting caliber point guard. I yeah, think yeah. To me, when it comes to like when talking about the future with with him in the franchise, I think like Jack, I think you got a good point about. I think ultimately he might have some issues playing twenty minutes, twenty five minutes a game, you know, compared to the thirty plus he was getting before. Um, it comes down to me about like how much does winning matter to him versus um, versus being a starter, right? Yeah, First yeah, out and becoming a star. It's just crazy. It blows my mind, especially like with Rozier getting a triple double in his first start. You, I don't know if it's just me or if it's like a general conception, but like I don't see point guards or shooting guards grabbing a lot of boards unless they're just built like Russell Westbrook, you know, like just those just crazy freakishly athletic guys that are just a little smaller than like forwards. But, but a lanky guy like Rozier, he, he was able to get a triple-double in his first start. But what blows my mind is, what if he bulks up? What if he gained that extra 15, 20, 30 pounds of mass on him? Dude's going to be a freaking tank. Yeah, I mean, he's got he's got the skill set to be a starter, no question. And I really think he's 24 years old. He's only going to get better. He's not even entered his prime yet, I don't think. he's He knows he's only going to get better. And I feel like this is going to be the year when he really starts working on it and trying to showcase his worth because he knows what he can do now after that starting run. I like that you, uh, I like that you guys compared him like a little bit small, small amount to Russell Westbrook in the way that he's kind of like a all around rebounding type point guard. I know he's, you know, five and a half rebounds a game is not Russell Westbrook numbers, but like if he bulks up, you know, he's athletic enough and he's crazy enough to do something. I'm not saying that he's going to average triple-double in his career. I'm not saying that he's yeah, that yeah. Good, but he's got a little bit of that all-around type type uh, play style. That bulldog mentality. Totally, totally. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be wild with minutes with him, though. And it's, I'm, He's saying right now to me that, you know, he's saying that we need that we, we can be special if we all, like, sacrifice our egos and put, like, the team versus individuals, but he's got to show it next year. I just I don't know. We'll see, see if he can do that. But his teammate Jason Tatum kind of echoed a little bit of what Rozierwisson.com. Um, gonna move forward here. He was talking about his role with the team next year, and he is showing his selfishness to the absolute max here. A guy who was nearly the rookie of the year last year said that he would be willing to even come off the bench with how deep this roster is next year if it means the betterment of the team what do you guys think about that i mean i'm glad he's willing i mean i'm glad he's willing to come off the bench but i really hope he doesn't come off the bench you know he's just 
he's just that good. He needs to be in the starting lineup. I mean, it's very generous, very team team friendly idea. But at the same time, it's it's more it's more of a smart move to have this guy start because he has the ability to start. He 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 is one of our best like wing players on this team. He deserves to be in that starting five. There's yeah, there's no way he comes off the bench this season. He's just too talented to be with that second unit. He has he's gonna get thirty minutes a game this year and ball out in the starting lineup. There's again, it's nice of him to say. It's not going to happen. He's not coming <laughs> off the bench. Jack, where would you put Tatum um, right now if you had to rank the Celtics starting five? Where would Tatum be in your ranking, like day one? In terms of talent, right now, he's third. third? In terms of total basketball player, he's fourth behind Al Horford. Tatum. How would you, what, would you, what would your top five ranking be? You've got to go Kyrie, Hayward, Horford, Tatum, Brown. All right. How about you? How about you, Gordon? <laughs> All right, so I'm a huge Al Horford guy. Like, he's so underrated. It's ridiculous. But Kyrie's definitely my number one because I feel he's definitely top two point guards in this league and just phenomenal player. Like, I'm glad, like, I can – I was born enough to watch him, like, play. That's just huge Mm -hmm. honor for me. Two would definitely be Tatum because he has so much upside. I mean, I can't really – I mean, I, I'm not going to say Hayward's not a great player. He's a phenomenal player as well, but I've only seen him play five minutes in this offense. Not not to his fault or anything like that, anything negative. I know he's going to do great in this offense and hopefully defense, but I, I'm a huge Tatum fan as well. Three is definitely like Hayward because he, he's a top player. He's the reason why we have a, almost a big four going on on this team. And then Al Horford, your captain, the, your, your glue, uh, keep the entire people on the court together, you know, so vocal. And he, he's just a leader. Like, if, yeah. that, if there's one trait that comes down to it, he's a leader. Would you say he's and, the most important player on the team, Al Horford? I, I would. I mean, yeah. when it comes to non-statistical value, like nothing, something that numbers can't even show, Al Horford's your critical guy. Because when a team – they've had so many come-from-behind wins last year – you can tell when the team gets down on themselves because it's a predominantly young team. Horford's that guy that's still chatting. He's still waving his hands and fingers all around, telling people where to go. He He's the glue. Without Horford, I feel like this team's not stuck, and they're just not they, – they won't be together without him. Yeah, you know, Al Horford, he doesn't, he's not a flashy player. He doesn't stand out to anyone. He's, you know, people in Boston don't think – people not in Boston, excuse me, don't think he's that great of a player just because he doesn't – show up on the stat sheet as much as other, you know, top centers in the league. But he, you watch us all this game, you see how important he is to this offense and this team on both sides of the ball. Totally. Um, isn't it crazy that, like, so we, it sounds like we all have a slightly different top fours, but typically I think we all three will agree that Jalen Brown would be, like, the fifth guy. Kind of like yeah. if there was a guy that was going to come get off a little bit off the bench, it would be Jalen Brown of the top starting five. Especially if you got a guy like – Harden coming at the two. I'd rather have Smart play against Harden than uh, Jalen Brown. Isn't that crazy though? Because like Jalen Brown like has so much Kawhi Leonard's and like Jimmy Butler in him. Like we're talking about a guy who could easily be a multi-time All Star in his career, and he's like fifth, maybe the fifth best player on this roster. It's insane. Yeah. It's crazy. The good thing about it is that you're going to be able to see Brad Stevens use different lineups depending on who they're playing with. And, and have that flexibility. 
that's where you're going to see this season be much different than, than the prior seasons. Totally. I mean, so, Absolutely. so just to clarify, so you guys would say, going back to Jason Tatum real quick, no minutes, no bench minutes. That guy is starting 82 games all year. Like he did last year. He didn't have a single game where he came off the bench last season. Of course, Gordon Hayward's out, but so no minutes. You guys agree? I mean, as long as it didn't come to, like, last game of the season against, like, a bum team. Yeah. Yeah, I agree as well. 100% agree. Okay. Um, so, you know, we've been talking, kind of touching on the starting five. Um, so I wanted to get your guys' take with uh, quick recent news, great news coming out of Boston. Danny Ainge, I think, I believe, two days ago, uh, in a statement said that Gordon Hayward and Kyrie Irving are both going to be full go by start, by the start of training camp. Um, perfect. It's fantastic news. We're finally going to have a fully healthy roster that we haven't had in a year, over a year now. Yeah. Um, with that, utilizing every single player in this team, in this roster, I will kind of want to touch base with you guys again to get your guys' idea of what you guys believe is the perfect, like, everyday lineup. You know, big lineup, small lineup, the dream team lineup. Like, how would you guys like if you were Dan, if you were Brad Stevens for a day? How would you line this team up to go out the bat? All right. So if it's just my everyday lineup, I'm definitely having Kyrie at the one, uh, Jalen at the two. I feel like that's his strong suit, his shooting guard. Like that's just where he plays. Uh, Hayward's definitely at the three, even though I believe is he a little taller than Tatum. I think he's a little, I think he, what, maybe an inch or so? Yeah, yeah. But I feel like Tatum's a better power forward just because he's, he's got that to him. Like, he's just got, like, I don't know, he just speaks like a better defensive player than me than Hayward. I feel like power forward, you need to have that good defense. And then, obviously, Horford at the five. That would be, like, your dream team lineup? Yeah. Gotcha. I like it. I like it. What do you think, Jack? Um, Everyday lineup, you know, you said it's going to be a lock from day one. I feel like if I have to go a dream team lineup, though, I think I'm taking Horford out and I'm playing super small ball. I'm playing Tatum at the five. I'm going super small and putting Rozier in at the one or the two just okay. because that's an incredibly, incredibly talented lineup that is going to cause mayhem on the offensive end with every single person being able to shoot on that team. And they can just – Tatum's a good defensive player. Brown's a great defensive player. Kyrie can hold his own, you know. Those guys, they all have the defense to be able to give us the flexibility to go small like that. And I think I would love to see that lineup out there for a couple minutes. Dang, Jack coming in with a hot take over here with putting you, out. You just out. took my boy Horford and just <laughs> threw it to the side. Damn. I, I like it. I mean, that's thinking outside the box. That's that's yeah, a good yeah. one. Um, I mean, it's it's great how switchable everybody is. You know, like when we're talking about a six seven Jalen Brown, six eight Gordon Hayward. Six seven Jason Tatum, six eight seven. How however tall he is, it's crazy. You can put any one of those guys in the power forward spot, and they will like at least be able to hold their own for like a few minutes at a time. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can put Marcus Smart in, and that guy can guard practically centers, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> His defensive effort is just so crazy. I got one for you guys. So I I was looking at the big lineups, and I how about if we're going big, if we're playing, if we're playing a team like the Bucks, who are like super lengthy and super tall, we could run Aaron Baines at the five and sub 
Brown out of the starting mm-hmm. lineup. He's, of course, Brown's going to get plenty of playing time. I'm just saying, like, yeah. to start off with, typically um, Aaron Baines and Al Horford together defensively, that is their best lineup. When yeah. those two are on the court together, they shut people down. Aaron Baines may not be the most, the best shot blocker in the world, but the dude holds his own, like, he's like a tank down there. Yeah. So I think, like, I don't know, what do you guys think about that, putting Baines in there at the five? I mean, go ahead, ahead, Jared. Oh, okay. Uh, I think you take, if if you're going to take someone out of that starting lineup, I think it has to be Jalen Brown. I think he just, he brings the least to the table out of the five. Not saying he doesn't bring much to the table. He's obviously a great player, but out of those five guys, I think he's the most replaceable if you're going to put Baines in that starting lineup. And I think that's just the best lineup for them to go to if they do need to match up against like a Bucks team like that or another team that trots out a lot of, of really, really big guys and they need to be able to put guys on them. You know, Tatum and uh, Hayward, I think are, they're a little bit bigger than Brown is. And I just, I feel like they'd match up better defensively if with Brown out in that situation. I 100% agree. But in, in my tall ball lineup, I don't have Aaron Baines out there in the five. What do you got? If my boy's healthy, Daniel Tice. <laughs> that dude holds his own. He is a big mofo straight out of Germany. Like, he he shows so much, like, aggression, especially on, like, the defensive end. Like, the, the dude literally just, like, I, I love the guy. Guy's awesome. So would you, would you are you saying uh, Tice and Baines would be your four, like your four and five kind of thing going on there? Uh, I'd have Horford and Tice. Okay, that's what I meant. Sorry, Horford. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because you can't put Tyson Baines together. Like you're talking oh, no. like, two guys who can't stretch the floor at all. That would be like yeah, you know, that would be disastrous. That would be disastrous. Totally. <laughs> that would be terrible. No, no, no. Definitely have Horford and Tyson there at the four or five. How do you like? So when we talk about you know switchability and subbing in and out lineups, um, it seems like we all kind of agree that like the first guy out of the lineup, if we're switching small ball or big ball, um, is Jalen Brown. Yeah. How do you think – do you think that's going to affect his growth? Like, do you think, like, Jalen Brown's, like, mentally going to, like, take that and, like, it's going to hurt him? Or do you think he's going to, like – is he smart and mature enough to, like – He's a very smart man. He's a very smart man. I mean, I I know he's had a couple speeches at, like, Harvard and stuff like that. But even if you're just the guy, he's very intelligent. I feel, I feel like with intelligence comes maturity. And I don't think it would be any de- bit detrimental to him at all. But, I mean, at the same time, it's it's more of like a stepping stone. Like, okay, well, if I'm the fifth best player in the starting lineup, I got to be doing something wrong. Let's fix it. Let's go take an extra 20 minutes in the in the court, just work on my game. Let's let's do that extra five reps in the gym. Like, I, I feel like it'd be more motivational for him. And, you know, Brown's still going to get his minutes, whether he's starting or coming off the bench. He's going to get his. He's going to get his time on the court. And, you know, one could argue that, you know, coming off the second, coming with the second stringers, coming in that second lineup would give him a little bit more chance to shine even and be the focal point of the lineup, you know. So I don't think, it would, I don't think it's going to affect his development at all. I think he's going to be able to really play well or with the guys around him. And like Porchy said, he's a really mature guy. And I think he'll, if there's anyone who's going to understand that, that the need to, uh, you know, maybe take a bench role for a couple games, I think he's the guy who's going to understand that best. I couldn't agree more, guys. Uh, I think I would say no matter what, no matter what lineup we roll out next year, I think do you, I don't know if you guys agree, disagree. Kyrie or Gordon Hayward need to be on the court 
one or the other at all times. I mean, when you – my reasoning. Here's my reasoning. If you look at how bad the offense was, how bad was our offense when Kyrie Irving was not on the court last year, whether it was when bad. he was resting or when he was injured. Sure, we made it within one game of the NBA Finals last year, but not by our offense. It was, it was certainly it was not, not by our big. offense. Not good at all. Matter of fact, um, staff for you, we were 7.4 points per 100 possessions worse when Irving was off the court last year. That's terrible. It's terrible, terrible. So Gordon Hayward is a facilitator a lot like Kyrie Irving where he's like super selfish or selfless, excuse me. And I feel like he's going to be able to like get people involved in the offense kind of like Kyrie Irving does. So I feel like no matter what, 48 minutes a game, one of those two guys should be on the court, at least handling a lot of the ball handling duties. Uh, at the end, at the end of the day, I agree with you. Um, I think you know Hayward is going to get to that point, but at least for the first you know month or whatever, I think it's got to be Tatum instead of him out there at all because you know they're going to want to ease Hayward back into that lineup. And I think if you have if you go to Tatum and rely on Tatum a little bit more there, I think that'll give Hayward a little bit more room to you know grow and well not necessarily grow but work his way back into that lineup because he just hasn't played with these guys as nearly as much as he'd want to in game action, and so. For just for that reason, just for the first month or whatever it is, I want Tatum out there instead of Hayward. No, I, I, Jack, you make a really good point on that. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I didn't really think about it. Uh, he hasn't really had much time to work with this this young core of Celtics players, but at the same time, I feel like his offensive ability is just that potent, especially against most NBA lineups. I, I feel like he's very important to the Celtics roster. Like, if Kyrie, say the lineup is Rozier, Smart, Hayward, Marcus Morris, and Daniel Tyser, Aaron Baines, for example, you're you're gonna want that offensive striker there because that's a cause the bench is a pretty defensive heavy lineup. If you look at it, that the bench is mainly defensive oriented. I don't see a lot of offense with the bench, oh. but but yeah. You know, absolutely. The bench is a more defensive-oriented lineup. You know, you got Tice coming off there. You got Ojale even that we kind of forget about. Um, Smart coming off that bench. And they they really do need an offensive facilitator in there. And, and, you know, whether that's Kyrie, whether that's Tatum, whether that's Hayward, they need someone in there who's got – who's more offensive-oriented player so that they don't just absolutely lose it when those guys – when that second unit is on the court. I mean, and Tatum can go off next year. You know what I mean? Like, Tatum could be better than Gordon Hayward next year. If he – I mean, that's that's extreme, but, you know, there are people out there who believe that he could um, really just explode and become an all-star by, you know, by next season. So, yeah. I mean, I agree with you. I mean, that does make sense. I, I honestly didn't even think about the whole concept of him being, like – being like slowly brought along into the lineup and everything. That that's that's a good point. It's a good point. So you gotta remember that he's been working out with Kobe Bryant during the offseason too. That's true. Kobe doesn't work out with everybody, right? He's not gonna just work out with some random <laughs> bench scrub out there. He's working out with Jason Tatum. I mean that's big that's big that's big news. I mean do you see Kobe if Kobe agrees, if Kobe's got that stamp of approval. Absolutely. And, you know, Tatum, they asked him what he worked on, and he said, he said, I really, you know, we focused on a lot, but I was focused on the post. 
And I love to hear that because when Tatum got inside, he wasn't nearly as formidable as when he was on the perimeter last year. And I love to see him, you know, recognize that weakness in his game and work on that to get better. So if he has that post game this year, he's going to be lethal on the offensive end. So uh, the last thing I kind of want to round out this podcast with, guys, uh, we're going to do a little bit of a two-segment thing going on here. Um, for this podcast, I want to talk about key improvement areas. For uh, So for the whole team, we're going to talk about key improvement areas, like what we as podcasters feel is the key area of need for each player. But this podcast episode, we're talking about the starting five. Next, next podcast will be the bench players. So we're going to start off. Um, with Kyrie Irving. I want to hear uh, Jack's thoughts on what he believes Kyrie Irving's number one key improvement area is. Um, Kyrie Irving's got – he's got to know when to take control of the offense and when to take a step back and let the others do the work because last year he was number one option in the offense every single time he stepped on the court, no question about it, you know, and the numbers reflect that. But this year he's got a lot more weapons around him and he needs to recognize when he has those weapons – and pass and, you know, distribute the ball more than he maybe necessarily did last year. So I think if he can do that, that's going to be huge for this team. All right. Yeah, that, that's a pretty good take. I never really considered that. But my uh, number one key strength through improvement is something he's always been pretty good with, especially last year. But it's just his team chemistry. Because there is always those times where he, he had a guy wide open, went for the pass, just took up the shot, went in and out, or a time where a guy was supposed to be somewhere where he passed the ball and it just became a turnover and a mess. I mean, not saying he's had terrible chemistry with the team, but imagine if it was just a little bit better. It could only make this team that much better with just even just a certain amount of everything, you know. I hear you, man. I, I actually love I love that our first one, we all three have three different things. And especially from a guy who is our best player, we all three have different takes on what is a number one improvement area. My number one improvement area for him is defense. I think defense, like okay. he is to me the most the the most the biggest defensive liability on this roster. I know that's kind of a big statement, but Kyrie Irving has never been a good defensive player. You know, we took him in with the Isaiah Thomas trade knowing that, knowing that we are a defensive first team and we're taking a guy who tends to be a little bit lazy at times. He, in the postseason, in his career, he actually picks up and he, like, he shows that he, he has intensifies, yeah. yeah, he intensifies. But in the middle of the season, you can tell on that kind of side of the court, he is not thinking. <laughs> that, no, his number one thought is not who I'm guarding or who's what's going on in that side of the ball. <laughs> so – that to me would be my number one for him, but I like all of those. I think they're all great. What do you guys think? What do you guys think about Jalen Brown? So for me, Jalen Brown is just he just needs to slow down and just let the game come to him. Like especially last year, like you saw, he he got so antsy when he got fouled that he'd be ch chucking up a free throw shot and it would just be bad. It would just be horrendous. And sometimes, like when he's out there right beyond the three point mark. He just takes shot. He, like I feel like he just needs to slow himself down a bit. Just, just not overthink everything. Just let the game come to him because he has the fundamental. And if he just slows down, I feel like his shooting percentages will be a lot better, especially from the free throw line, which is a marquee offensive struggle of his. And it'll, it'll just be more smoother, and he'd probably be one of the top four players on this team if he just slowed himself down. 
you know, Porchy hit it on the head, free throws, free throws, free throws, free throws. There were a lot of games last year, you know, we were watching and the team did not do so well from the free throw line and Jalen Brown did not help that cause. He's um, just got to put in the work and take the reps from the free throw line. If he can get better there, that's awesome. And that's my biggest thing for him is just free throws. Isn't isn't that confusing? Like the dude shot like forty percent from three last year, but he can't shoot like in the sixties in his free throws. That doesn't make any sense. Ridiculous. I, I don't understand that because free throws is all shooting mechanics. You yep. know, it's consistency in shooting mechanics. How can the guy put up forty percent from three and can't make a free throw? It's blowing me away. I feel like he just he just gets too ahead of himself. He's like, oh, it's cake. Yeah, yeah. it's men- It's mental. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely, it's mental. Um, my my Jalen Brown, uh, my number one issue, my number one frustration with him last year that drove me freaking crazy is he's very inconsistent, and it's not like a way where he'll have two points in one game and twenty in the next. He'll have like sixteen or eighteen points, but it's so quiet. He like he will just disappear. Like there's there's games where I'll be watching. Oh, him. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like he'll go yeah, off. Yeah, yeah. He'll score twenty in the first quarter. And finish the game in the box score twenty two points. He'll score two points. Yeah, right. yeah. Like, or, or like the stage where he just like goes off and then just goes, okay, I'm cool. I'm gonna coast the rest of the game. Yeah, yeah. Or like the points where like he'll start off the first quarter like seven points, then you'll kind of see him running back and forth, not really getting boards or assists, and then like the beginning of the fourth quarter, and all of a sudden Jalen Brown has sixteen points. It's like, where the hell did that guy come from? I ain't seen him all game. <laughs> like he's very ominous on the court. Very ominous. I'm glad you pointed that out. Yeah, I just think I think once like kind of like what you said, uh, Porchy, when the game slows down for him, when he's not playing a thousand miles an hour all the time, I think maybe he'll start like being yeah, yeah. Um, Jason Tatum, guys, what do you guys got on Jason Tatum? Ball security. You know, there were too many times last year when he took it to the rack and he would have it in his hands, and then the next second he wouldn't, it'd be gone. And he, I really hope he worked on that over the summer because. He's just got to be able to keep possession of the ball as he's driving into the post. And the other thing I didn't like, you know, this is more of a nitpicky thing, but a lot of times I'd see him catching on the three outside the three-point line, pump fake, one dribble into the two-point line, and then pull up, mm-hmm. contested mm-hmm. from inside two-point range. And I think he's got to reduce that amount of hesitation and just not be afraid to let it fly from three-point when he gets that catch-and-shoot opportunity rather than, you know, taking one step in and taking a – you know, contested too, which to be fair, you know, he had a great percentage on him and he hit, he converted a lot of them, but I feel like he'd be more valuable if he could stay behind that three point line and put him up from there on that catch and shoot. I mean, he shot 42% from three last year. Exactly. Yeah, like, why, why not shoot more of them, right? Exactly. exactly. Phenomenal, phenomenal for a rookie. And I couldn't agree more with, with all the things, but what what I feel like is key area for improvement because this is tough for the guy like Jason Tatum. Like we've only seen one year in the pros of this guy. We're we're not even sure like if last season was legitimate, which we we, we all hope it is. We we hope he does. It wasn't like a fluke season. I don't think that at all. But I feel like towards the end of last season, especially hanging around Kyrie, he started getting them dribble moves and he started he started being a better pick and roll pop player and one on one ISO type of guy. If if he, I feel like my key area for him is just just moves a little better and uh, just just one on one ball I guess because he had a lot of great opportunities one on one last year and it's, and it, it really only started showing towards like that second half of the season but it, I mean if he can just work on that one on one ISO like I think he'll be set. 
I think um, for me, it seems like when he gets in that one-on-one situation, he's almost too selfless. I think he gives up the ball um, in times where he could totally dominate his guy and just get to the rack. Yeah. Um, I think that's something, you know, selflessness. Uh, I had a feeling that one of you guys would definitely say ball control towards the rim because it's ridiculous. Because you would just like, we'll lose the ball. Nobody will even touch him. He'll just. Or he'd try to do those. Yeah, him. yeah. Those like fake 2K fouls and the ball would just go in the yeah. stands. <laughs> yeah. Totally, man. So I, I had to dig deep on Jason Tatum. Uh, if you guys watched Kobe's Kobe's uh, video on Jason Tatum, um, yeah. you, you guys know what they're called? Detail. I watched that, and I think I think Kobe nailed it when he talks about his body positioning. When he, like, catches the ball off of, a, say, a screen, um, his body is not squared towards the hoop. He's squared more towards an angle, more, like, up towards the, the top of the key or more towards the corner. And if he can get his body positioning – I know I'm getting really detailed here, but if he gets his body positioning in the right place where he's focused at the rim, he can – he is the quickness and the first step to just destroy his te- – his, his, his defender like going to the rim. I feel like he could be so explosive if he just adjusts that a little bit. Kobe is just so phenomenal. Like not even just as like a great sports mind. He he's so intellectually smart. Like that man could be like a public speaker. I don't even care what he'd be talking about. I'd be tossing my money just to hear him speak. Like he's just that amazing. You know, Travis, <laughs> did you watch the detail videos many times as Jason Tatum did. He said he watched it 70 times total. I didn't watch it 70 times. No, but that guy. That's oh, dedication. Kobe's, it's like, who notices that? I wouldn't have noticed that. Like, that's yeah. such, I'm only saying this because Kobe said it. You know what I mean? I wouldn't have, like, just casually watched this game. And be like, oh, you know what? He needs to adjust his, his foot angle by about 30 degrees. You yeah, know? yeah. It's that's not like you're sitting there. You're like, hold up. Is he 17 degrees to the left? Let me rewind yeah. this real quick. <laughs> it's crazy, man. But he notices that. I think he's right on the money there. I think yeah. Kobe sees a lot of – probably a lot of himself in Jason Tatum, you know? I mean, after he worked out with the guy, didn't he tell the Lakers? Um, what did he say? He's like, oh, why didn't they draft him, right? Yeah. Like, why yeah. over Lonzo, essentially? Yep. I mean, it's, it's crazy. crazy because Lonzo wanted to sign with any other team. He was going to L.A. regardless. Yeah, no kidding. Right? I was Los Angeles. I wouldn't have drafted Lonzo number two overall. He's, I want to go ahead. That's a much different discussion we got. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the next podcast episode, next like podcast. the Celtics <laughs> Lakers edition. Right. I'm always down for that. Yeah, uh, we, we gotta have, have that. <laughs> uh, Gordon Hayward, guys. He's our fourth guy here to talk about. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I, I'd say my biggest key for Gordon Hayward is just making sure that ankle's 100%. Mm-hmm. Just just because I, I haven't seen him train. I haven't seen him play five-on-five. Five. You know, I, there's, there's not much I can really nitpick here. But the, the key thing for, for me is making sure he's he's 100% comfortable for game-game action where he, he has been out for a year and it was a very serious injury. You want to make sure – that that guy you're paying a lot of money is 100% before he's on that court trying to do another alley-oop from Kyrie. Absolutely. Fortunately, I'm very disappointed in you. In the five minutes that he played last year, you didn't you didn't get enough scouting off of him. Yeah, well, I mean, he, he's, he's a phenomenal player, you know? <laughs> but, I mean, at the end of the day, like, I don't, I don't care if you're LeBron James. If you're coming off that injury, your biggest key should be making sure, like, that ankle's 1,000%. 
that that's that's the main thing I got like not necessarily nitpick, but that's just the main thing that stares out at me right now. Fair, fair. Absolutely. You know, um, I'm not gonna lie, I'm not gonna pretend I went back and watched, you know, Garen Hayward game film when he was with the Jazz two years ago, but you know, like looking at his stats, he shot last season he played, which was twenty sixteen, seventeen, he shot forty seven percent from the field. And that was a career high for him. But that's still, you know, that's not exactly where I want to see it. You know, he's got to just get a little more efficient on the court. More efficient on the court. Yeah, Gordon Hayward to me was like when I was doing this list, I was coming up with, like, he was the hardest, right right next to Al Horford, he was the hardest guy for me to, like, pinpoint an area that he needs to work on. Because in my opinion, Gordon Hayward is so complete. Like, he is actually a really good defensive player. Metrics, like, he is in the upper echelon on defense in the league. Um, he can rebound, you know, he can shoot three. He got 40% from three in his career. Um, hell of a passer. He can hell of a passer. He's a great distributor. He was, he's very hard to find. And what's what, when I was looking at his stats from when his rookie year to now to well, 16, 17, um, he's improved in almost every statistical category across the board, every single year of his career until he got injured. So we have no, we have no idea if he would have continued to prove or if he would have, like, eventually, like, plateaued. We don't know what he's going to do next year. Exactly. That, that's what makes him a question mark. It's a hard one. It's a hard one to pick. You know, five minutes of play time last year. I The only thing I could look at when I was, like, really eyeing his stats to me was turnovers. Um, he averaged 2.8 turnovers a game in 2014. That was four years ago. And, again, I'm picking – I'm really nitpicking here. Um, 2.8 turnovers a game is terrible. He brought that down to about two – a little over two in his 16, 17. I mean, I'm stretching here, guys. I don't know. Turnovers, maybe? I mean, Hayward's very hard to pick, like something you want him to improve in. When like, uh, yeah, that, that one's probably the toughest one. I mean, next to my boy Horford. That one's going to be hard. Let's talk about Horford. What do you oh, got for Horford? <laughs> I mean, there, there's just so much with Horford that he does right. And not only, like, he hits on him, but he does everything so consistently. I, I, I mean – the only thing that I, I have to always – that not always say negative is just rebounds. He But, again, like, even if you say, like, his career has got to be rebounds, he's the center power forward, it's just not his game. He, he's, he's not always a super rebounder, but that's really the only thing that, like, you could be like, hey, like, if there's one thing Al Horford needs to work on, it's rebounds. Absolutely. And, you know, Aaron Baines isn't going to be in the starting lineup this year. And so Horford needs to kind of take over that role as the physical body in the middle. And he's got to, he's got to be able to play with the, you know, like the big boys, I guess. You know, he's got to be able to match up against, you know, those bulkier centers. You know, Horford isn't the biggest guy. He's 6'10", not super, you know, large body guy. And he's got to be able to fight against those, you know, other centers, those seven foot 260 guys that are, grabbing those rebounds and he's got to go up and hold his own against those guys and grab those rebounds from them in a spot that he's not used to. You know, that's Aaron. That was Aaron Baines' spot last year, but it's going to have to be his this year. Exactly. Plus like, if you guys ever notice, like when he's like getting backed up, like he's not, not really straight up. He's kind of like that hunched over, like lanky, like make me look long instead of tall. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, he's, he's not a center. Like, you know what I mean? Like he's not, yeah. In, in Atlanta, they had him at power forward most of the time. Like, he's not – he was never expected to get, like, major rebounds. And I, I agree with you guys. That would be his weakest point is rebounds. Um, that's why we're trying to get a guy like Robert Williams in who theoretically should help in rebounding when he gets to that point. I'm not trying to put a lot of pressure on the rookie yet. 
but we our biggest weakness is rebounds. We've always rebounded by committee versus as in like having that Dwight Howard S type guy to get 12, 13 boards a game. Um, when I was looking at him, um, I found something interesting. I'm, I'm a very statistical guy, so I like to look at like raw, hard statistical facts of like how like an individual player like helps or hurts a team. Yeah. And what I found is when Al Horford is on the court, uh, the Celtics are a plus seven in offensive rating, and when he's off the court, it's a minus nine. So, and I think a lot of that has has a testament to how involved he is in the offense. That being said, my number one weakness for Al Horford is there's often times in some games, not every, you know, like he's a good, you know, in some, certain games, he will disappear a little bit. He won't demand the ball. He will just kind of like float around. He will just set screens. He won't like plays won't be ran through him. It won't just be, it won't flow. The offense doesn't flow as smoothly when he's not being vocal on the offense. And I do think there are games where he gets kind of quiet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I think it depends on the matchup because I know when Detroit came to town, when uh, Drummond got 24 boards at the Garden, like Horford was basically quiet because that's just the way he had to play on on offense. And that it's, it's just – I feel like matchups kind of dictate that with Horford, mm-hmm. with a guy like Horford. But, I mean, yeah, that, that would be a huge improvement if he could just kind of – but at the same time, I mean, you, you can't – with his uh, size, but I mean, yeah, that that's a very good. Uh, I didn't really notice th- that. Yeah, I mean, it's just I think I think I like it's super funny, but if I had to put it down into a sentence, I would say that his biggest weakness is his selflessness. He's just too selfless sometimes. Sometimes he needs to demand the ball because he can beat his man, or you know, I just feel like there's times where he can dominate players that he doesn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. I think- Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I think, you know, kind of like what you're saying, the ball, the team runs better when the ball touches Horford's hands at some point in the possession, you know, when it's kind of flowing through him a little bit, you know, and maybe not, you know, every possession, but like when he's involved in the offense, like you're saying, you know, every time down the court, he's got to be present and they have to, you have to feel his impact on the court. And I feel like what you're saying, you know, sometimes you don't always feel his impact on the court when you really need to with a guy like that. Yeah, and uh, what you're just talking about, Travis, it kind of reminded me of a play in my head. So uh, the second game, I believe, or the first game, when we played Houston, uh, it was right off the switch. Chris Paul covered Horford. Now Horford totally dominating in size. You you would assume he'd just drive down the lane and jam it or, like, just do something. But, like, he got halfway down. He just flipped it out to Brown, who missed the three, I believe. But, yeah. That's two. That's two free points. Right. If I'm out Horford, that's two free points. I mean, Chris Paul's not really going to stop a big guy like Horford. No, I mean, obviously, like that's that's a perfect example, Borgie. Yeah. Honestly, I'm really glad you brought that up. Like, he just he needs to be the All Star center that he is. Like more, like because that's why people sometimes call him like average out because like you know they they focus on the games where he does kind of become average i don't want to say average but like just he just kind of does medals around um and there's games where he like straight up carries the celtics through the yeah and i think i think that's not just by talent or like anything like any sort of externality i think that's just aggression because like when they're down and they're getting whooped like if al horford's pissed off like he's the best player on the court like the team 
teams play so the Celtics play so much better when Al Horford's angry or like he's motivated or like he's in that let's go. Like, let's go win this game. Why are we losing? It's the freaking Hornets. Let's go. <laughs> like, if Al Horford is like that, this team's unstoppable. But, like, then there's just games where it's like, okay, like, I'm just doing my thing. And then, like, like it just slips away, and it's it's too late to get aggressive, you know? And I, I feel like Horford, know, I feel like he knows the offense better than anyone else on the team. But he, I think he knows it in the capacity where he's saying to himself, okay, this play, it's not really about me. It's about others that I don't have to really, you know, be a part of. And I think that's where he gets, I guess, contemplative is the word I'm looking for, maybe, where he decides, okay, this play doesn't involve me as much. I'm going to do my part and set screens, but I'm not going to look for the ball actively. And I feel like, yeah, and that's where, that's where I feel like it goes a little bit wrong for the team. That's why we need guys like Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward because so many of our guys are so freaking selfless, you know? Exactly. Like, oh, you you get the ball. No, you get the ball. How many times last year have we seen, like, too many passes, too many rotations? Oh, my God. Open and he doesn't take it. He passes to another guy, then <laughs> blows up. And yeah, like, oh. where we go all the way around the freaking three-point line three times. Reminds me of the old Spurs when they had, you know, the big the core four where they just pass, 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 I and then one of them would be 20 feet open. <laughs> I am so glad he just brought up the Spurs because I was just going to bring up. Who does Al Horford remind you guys of? Timmy. Timmy Jr. Timmy right? Jr. That's why That's why I think That's why I think Al Horford's ageless, man. The dude's like in his, what, early mid-30s, and it's like he could play till he's 40 like Tim Duncan did because yeah. he's so freaking fundamental in that way. Plus his three – his shots is so fun to watch. It's kind of like one of those weird like rocking chairs. You just <laughs> – It's just funny. It's like how – Crazy. You know, I feel like the one guy on the team who will be like, pass, pass, pass. You know what? I'll take the shot. I feel like that guy is Marcus Smart. Yeah, oh <laughs> on the perimeter. Oh, <laughs> Smart. <laughs> Against the Lakers, bro. My kid got me heated. He's like, all right, I'll shoot it, guys. It's <laughs> right there. And he's like, yo, I got it. Smart's like, nah, bro, I got it. Uh, damn. <laughs> Oh man, that guy! <laughs> I what can't wait that? to talk about his keep. Well, yes. Man, Marcus Smart. Oh boy, that's a whole new can of worms there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll save that for the next episode. Yeah. Um, that about does it for me, guys. I just wanted to say, uh, you know, y'all need to tune in next week for some more hot takes on the uh, improvement areas for the bench. We're gonna talk uh, areas six through twelve. Let's say six through twelve. Um next podcast and uh just keep in, you know keep keep up with the content guys we're doing great stuff and uh i just want to say that uh for those listeners out there we're going to be bringing you lots of great celtics content and celtics hot takes coming up as the season approaches we're about what about 45 days or so 49 days or so till the till uh opening day um yeah. it's fast approaching so just be ready Man, and we're gonna have some fun talking about the bench. I got some. I got some thoughts on the bench. Oh yeah. I mean, the bench part's gonna be so so fun to talk about, just because this team is so experienced, young, versatile. It's amazing. But uh, yeah, and uh, just a shout out to all the fans listening and reading our articles and stuff like that. 
I mean, no, nobody's here without the fans, obviously, and the listeners and readers and stuff like that. And, uh, it, you know, especially once the season gets going, I mean, for anyone listening, like, you got a topic you want to hear on this podcast, definitely shoot a DM to Twitter or anything like that. We'll make sure if, – if it's talkable, we'll make sure it's on there. Absolutely. Until next time, guys. Anthony, you want to close us out? Great show, guys. Um, very informative. Um, I think the listeners are going to really enjoy this one. Um, <clears throat> as far as uh, everybody else, uh, where to find this podcast, you can find us pretty much on any platform. Tune in, um, Spotify, uh, you name it, it's out there. Uh, we're on it. Um, uh, definitely check out the website. All these guys uh, bust their asses. Uh, putting out great unbiased articles for that's not done in the Boston media right now. You can find it at www.bostonsportsextra.com. Until next time, guys, thank you very much, and we'll, we'll be back. All right.